Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing today? I am good, man. I am currently swamped in tabs, like you mentioned just before we started recording, uh, with a bunch of stuff, a bunch of articles, a bunch of brackets, a bunch of schedules. It's that time of year. Yep. And joining us today as well to go in depth on the women's tournament that was released after we did the last podcast is Justin Carter. Justin, how are you doing today? I'm good. Um, Had my COVID vaccine yesterday, so my arm hurts. Aside from that. Lucky, lucky dog. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's about the the good uh, side effect that you can expect, right? There's been a lot of, there are a lot worse reported ones. So arm hurting, I I would definitely take that. Yeah. I've seen the the arm hurting one a few times, but that's, that's, that's good. Congratulations on that. Um, But yeah, we're going to get through the, get to the women's tournaments, the seedings and discuss all that first. And then we'll get to the men's first round matchups. And then, you know, talk a little bit about our predictions and what we think is going to happen on the men's side as well at the end there. So uh, let's get started. We brought Justin in um, because he is our expert at Dave Campbell's on the women's side of things. He has great uh, articles up throughout the year. So check that out on the site as well, texasbasketball.com. I guess we'll start with who's not in the tournament. Houston uh, did not make it. Um, Well, first, actually, Justin, give us your overall thoughts, what you what you thought for the seedings were the seedings fair I mean again we'll get to Houston in a second but what do you think about the seedings I mean for the Texas teams I think they're close to fair I mean I think Baylor had a decent um argument for being a one seed um I think A&M by losing in the conference tournament kind of cost themselves I understand why they're a two um Texas is a six yeah I mean that's fine. SFA feels a little underseated as a 12. I think they're one of the stronger mid-major teams. I would have had them as an 11, mm-hmm. probably not a 10, but I mean, it's, there's it's nothing egregious at least on that. Yeah. Yeah. Side. I think the, uh, the, one of the questions I had was I thought AM might've squeaked out a one, but I guess losing to Georgia in particular, they probably would have had to make, made the SEC title game to maybe get that one seed. So the two was a little bit surprising there, but the one that I'm really Despite Baylor getting a two, and it, despite them even being paired with UConn on that region, I really think their draw is really good. Like, I think UConn probably got the harder side of that bracket because they potentially have, you know, the winner of the Ryan Howard, Caitlin Clark matchup for Iowa, Kentucky um, before they even get to a potential matchup with Baylor. I think Baylor, I don't know, I'm curious about your opinion because I think Baylor, their weaknesses here has been shooting. Obviously, they haven't replaced mm-hmm. Juicy Landrum and Tia Cooper as far as that's concerned, um, or even the Chloe Jackson team that won the title. But their their strength is obviously inside, rebounding, uh, playing in the half court. And their potential matchup with Tennessee, I think, favors that. I don't. Tennessee doesn't shoot well either. And so I think when you're playing strength on strength, I think that goes to Baylor. So despite them being a two and despite them being with UConn, I do think they have a very favorable road to the Elite Eight. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have Baylor making the Final Four out of that region. I think UConn is the best one seed for them to be paired with. Mm-hmm. I think I mean, that, that Baylor size inside is something that I think will give UConn some trouble. Um, Tennessee, I mean, they have some good moments. But, yeah, I mean, they're not a super consistent team. Um, I think that's a great three seed to have in that region. Um yeah, I mean, I don't see I, – I don't want to say I don't see anyone who can stop them because UConn sure. is obviously UConn, but I, I think it's – I think of all the two seeds, they have the best kind of path 
Mm-hmm. And what what do you think? What are your thoughts on A and M's A and M's draw? Kind of that region. I mean, theirs is. I mean, they have some tough matchups there. Um, mm-hmm. the potential for Iowa State in the second round. I mean, the Cyclones mm-hmm. beat Baylor. The Cyclones are a really good offensive team, but I just don't think they have the defense to really cause A and M too much trouble. Um, but then there's some tougher matchups going forward there. Um, Ruggers is a six seed that I don't understand how they're only a six seed. Mm. Um, Ruggers is a really, really good team that um, if they get past Arizona could cause a some issues and they have NC state there. It's it's the, the Mercado region is tough. Um, yeah. I think a can come out of it, but it's, kind of a, like a nightmare for them almost for some of these matchups. Right, right. Uh, I do want to, one of the, speaking of inconsistent, you mentioned with Tennessee, uh, let's get to Texas. Um, <laughs> Texas might be the most inconsistent team in the state um, as far as high profile teams. Uh, they obviously drew a six with Bradley, should take care of Bradley, but then that brings up UCLA. If they get by UCLA, you know, that brings up potentially Maryland. Um, I don't think that they did themselves any favors in this region. Um, obviously, if they get through all of that, that brings up South Carolina. Um, <laughs> that, it, I don't know, I feel like the men's and women's Texas teams are very good parallels of each other, that they have potential, they could have the biggest letdown, but they could also have one of the highest ceilings. Obviously, if uh, Collier decides to go off the future potential number one pick in the draft, you know, March is all about having that individual player, um, you know, that can really get you out of tough jams. If Collier can go on a run, who knows, this might be an elite eight team, or this could be a team that just folds in the second round of UCLA. Yeah. I mean, I think for, for that whole thing with Texas, I think foul trouble is really the thing that's going to decide a lot of things because their front court depth right now is not good. They have a lot of injuries. So it's like Collier, Lauren Ebo, and that's pretty much it because of injuries. So if Collier ends up on the bench, early um that really really hurts and we saw that against um baylor right or no yeah no uh, was it baylor in the big 12 tournament i these games are all blurring together i know um, there's so many yes it was it was baylor. yeah we saw that against baylor where she went out very very early with two fouls i think she had like three points in that game yeah she only um, played 16 minutes and it's you know you that can't that can't happen in the tournament if you want to win so i think I, I don't know texas's whole thing revolves around her playing like she has against some of the um i guess weaker opponents they've played against she's kind of struggled in the, the big games mm-hmm. um baylor's really had her number um i mean i don't think ucla necessarily has that same kind of strong interior thing that baylor has that can kind of cause her all that trouble but i mean ucla is sure. good and um texas has a really tough path forward there um not to, that's not even getting into the whole south carolina stuff which right that's just unfair yeah. i mean yeah i was I, I was looking it up and I, I feel like texas's biggest benefit might just be the like vic schaefer magic like he like he rarely gets knocked out early in the tournaments um i think his earliest exit it at mississippi state was i think the second round but and that was like 2014 but again there's only so much he could probably do with this specific texas team um before he really gets his print on things but yeah i was trying to find like you know potential ways that they could maybe go on a run obviously collier if she goes on a run but obviously just vic schaefer's kind of experience in the tournament is 
just kind of another thing you maybe have to throw in their favor. I don't know. Yep. And then we have Stephen F. Austin, Georgia Tech. I mean, this 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 is really a really interesting matchup. I have seen some people penciling in SFA potentially. Um, all the metrics love SFA. Um, I'm curious, you know, Justin, looking into the the numbers, I mean, is it just playing against a Southland that they're just so much better than, or is it like SFA, is there really something potentially here with SFA? I mean, I think part of it is the Southland, right? Um, but also they just play some really smart kind of analytically focused basketball. They don't take many mid-range shots. They're really efficient at the rim. They have good three-point shooters. Um, I was looking at something in their top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players in terms of minutes played all rank in the 82nd percentile or better on two pointers in terms of two point percentage. I mean, they're yeah. just such a good offensive team. Um, and their depth is a big part of how they kind of go on these huge, you know, quarter runs against mm-hmm. Southland teams. Um, I mean, I think obviously the kind of teams you're playing in March are much tougher. Um, But I mean, they played Houston really close earlier in the season, and that's a team that probably should have been in the tournament. Um, I don't know. I like a lot of what SFA has. I think their first two rounds are tough, but maybe not as tough as they could be as a Mm -hmm. 12 seed. Um, In Georgia Tech, has a really good kind of inside game, um, but I think SFA could outshoot them. And then West Virginia is not super good defensively. Um, you know, they have some talent there, but they only have a 52nd percentile defensive rating. I think, I mean, I think there's a, there's a decently clear sweet 16 path there. Then they meet South Carolina and, you know, it was a good season. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's I think 16. the, yeah. Hey, yeah. If they, if they, if they knock off Georgia tech, I mean, I was reading, I think it was, um, uh, Calvin Wetzel's, uh, piece for her hoop stats. And he, had, he's actually picking them like as one of his hot takes, he's actually taking SFA over Georgia tech. Um, I think five thirty eight only has like Georgia tech is like in their power rating is like a six, like a six points higher than in SFA. It's a fairly close matchup when you just compare stats. Um, I think in the end, SFA's biggest issue is going to be, to me, AM's biggest issue, which is who's that go-to player down the stretch, right? Is it Stephanie Vischer? Is it um, uh, Zion Nugent? Is it Ayana Johnson, right? Or is it, is it which one of those players is going to be the one that they go to down the stretch if they need a big bucket, if they need to go on a run, if they need to snap a, street, uh, a drought or something? Um, because it's been just like AM, it's been like a big collective effort where there hasn't really need to have been one star player stand out. Um, and in the tournament, you kind of more or less need that one person, despite no matter how good your five or six, seven deep may be, you need that kind of one person or two people to get you out of those slumps. I think for me, that's going to be the big thing for SFA. And like I said, with AM, um, is just who is that player? Um, to get them out of those jams. I don't know. What What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think Vischer can be that player for SFA. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've seen 
I mean, I've watched a lot of their games. I've seen a lot of moments where it looked like she could be that player who kind of takes over, but also just with how that team's kind of built, she hasn't had to be at all times. Um, sure, sure. But yeah, I mean, kind of segueing that to AM, I think, yeah, they have that issue too, right? Of like who takes over games there? Um, who gets in the big buckets? I mean, during the regular season, we saw some really clutch moments from um, Jordan Nixon. Mm. Um, who, you know, isn't really their go-to scorer, but, you know, came up big in some spots. Um, Aliyah Wilson is a good shooter. Um, they have India Jones to do kind of that inside stuff. But, I mean, I guess, yeah, there's not like that, like, to like, I don't know, I don't want to bring this up, but there's not like that Kennedy Carter presence sure. there, right, sure. to like sh- go off in the tournament and hit some buzzer right. beaters and keep you going sure sure i mean that's i mean like you know you don't you don't want to bring it up because obviously she's not there anymore but like that is a factor right it, they've the same team's proven that they've been good without her but like you know in the end you do kind of a lot of these teams do need that player you look at teams like uh yukon with beckers and you look at south carolina with boston it's like they have these even baylor with um uh dd uh, uh, richards to an extent she can be that guy who, she can be that player who just goes and gets a bucket right um and they, you know, NM, this is going to be kind of the way that we find out if they have that, right? That's what happened against Georgia. They didn't have that player that could really be, well, actually kind of their defense kind of collapsed against Georgia too, but um, they didn't have that player who could really match Georgia with some of those shots. So um, I think this is the time to, you know, potentially to figure that out, who that player is. I think you're right. I, I didn't, I didn't realize, um, I didn't think about Nixon. That's a good name to you know, maybe as a potential player who could uh, come out. Uh, before we get to Houston, are you as excited for this Caitlin Clark going out of, outside of Texas? Are you as excited for this potential Caitlin Clark Ryan Howard matchup as I am? Because I think Ryan Howard, and this year it's been Caitlin Clark uh, and Beckers for UConn, but last year Ryan Howard should have been that freshman that everybody was talking about by the end of the season because of their tournament run, but obviously COVID kind of shut that down. Now, Ryan Howard, I think this is the moment she's been kind of waiting for. If she has a big game in the first-round matchup, if they knock off Iowa, I don't think they can beat UConn. But if she plays well against UConn, you know, she's potentially the number one pick for next year. I'm, just, I'm excited to see Kaylin Clark and her just kind of go at it and then eventually, you know, uh, Beckers go, uh, them go against Beckers. I don't know. As just a basketball fan, how excited are you for that potential matchup in the second round? Oh, yeah, I'm super excited for that. Um, you know, I haven't really gotten to watch a lot of Big Ten basketball. I, I mean, I've seen some of Caitlin Clark, but I haven't seen sure. enough of Caitlin Clark. Right, um, same. So it'll be nice to kind of see her on that big stage. Um, I also just really want Iowa to win that game and set up a UConn-Iowa-Clark-Beckers-all-freshman, freshman. like, burn-down-Twitter kind of <laughs> matchup. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, I don't think I can get on Twitter without just seeing, like, arguments about those two players um, and who should be the freshman of the year and all that. So I, I the Riverwalk has some really, really interesting storylines there. Um, and, I mean, but, yeah, but then you have Kentucky, you have Ryan Howard, who could do the same kind of thing of, like, going through those teams and asserting herself as, like, the next great player. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, there's... There's a lot to like there and a lot I'm going to be really interested to watch. Yeah, I hope. 
I, I I was I was mad that we didn't get this matchup because it got canceled. Uh, but the UConn Baylor matchup looming in that Elite Eight, like not only not only because of the pedigree and obviously you know we want Baylor being writers from Texas writing about Texas, we want Baylor and the best teams to do as well as possible. But I want to see Beckers versus Dede Richards, like. I want to see, can Beckers go at D.D. Richards? Can Beckers go at the best defensive player in the nation? And can D.D., you know, I think she can, but I would love to see just that matchup as a, as a basketball fan, like that one-on-one, because you know that uh, Kim Mulkey would basically say, yeah, you can, you, you get Beckers, like pick her up, like you're fine. Like you're, you're a forward, you're a de facto point guard. You can pick up this, this star freshman. And I don't know, I would love to see the narratives that emerge from that potential uh, matchup. Um, but anyway, Let's get to the snub. Uh, Houston left out of the tournament. Um, I thought that win over South Florida would be enough to get them in. Uh, obviously, the voters didn't think so. They were left out. And I think it might have been just because of that bad tournament loss they had, uh, the way they exited. But um, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I thought they did enough to get in. But, you know, obviously left out. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think as soon as I saw during the bracket reveal that South Florida was an eight seed, I was like, well, Houston's out. That's it. Um, <laughs> the, the committee really did not um, seem to like the American that much. I mean, U, UCF was like their last team in yeah. too. Um, and Houston, I mean, they had a great season, but they also lost three times to UCF, two of them by pretty big margins. I mean, I think, I think taking that, along with the whole committee not liking the American this year. It, it, I understand, I guess, why Houston's not in. I also think Houston should be in over some teams like Wake Forest, who finished like 500 and got in um, and somehow got a nine seed at 12 and 12. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I, I, I understand why Houston's not there. I think yeah. if they win even one of those UCF games, maybe, maybe then – they're in maybe not even, maybe the- not even win but just lose by not as much you know they like they were bad losses right the last loss was almost a 30 point loss yeah and one of the other ones was also like a 30 point loss in the 22 and 22 yeah so so yeah i mean that's not that's not going to cut I'm it sorry 9 12 teams. and 22 my fault okay. can't do math Yeah, I don't know. It, it's yeah, I I kind of agree. You know, we were we were sad to see it just because you mentioned some of the other teams that got in, um, and it was nice to see Houston just have a have a good year. Um, it was a really good bounce back year for them. But the, I guess looking at the resume in totality, and I guess probably us weighing that USF win maybe a little bit too much. Um, and you know, tournament tournaments do matter, and tournament results do matter. And so maybe maybe the committee was waiting to see them play UCF a lot closer than they had to maybe give them that last bit in um anyway yeah we will have justin back on um later on because this tournament season decided to be as confusing as hell so we're just having a bunch of games basically four or five days straight so we're trying to figure we're trying to figure out when we're going to be recording uh uh, regardless to get to make sure we even have time to recap some of these matchups we'll try to record monday because that's the day that most texas teams play um monday night so the more in more importantly, that'll be after the SFA Georgia Tech game. Hopefully we're talking about a win. 
at the very least, hopefully we're talking about a competitive game, which is what I'm expecting to see at the very least. Uh, but Justin, appreciate you joining on, man. We'll have more from him uh, this week on the site as well. Watch out for his preview. Uh, he'll be profiling some of the teams as well as a new ISO player spotlight. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, and yeah, go um, go Texas teams in this. <laughs> Hopefully we have a lot to talk about throughout Justin, the tournament. Did you, did you get to yeah. see the uh, Rice-Middle Tennessee Conference 2 Championship game at all? I, was, I saw some of it. Um, I feel so bad for Rice. They just didn't have like a, they didn't have like a marquee kind of non-conference win or two that would have kind of boosted their resume. I think yeah. they're one of the 64 best teams in the country, but I... Yeah, for sure. I just wanted to ask you that real quickly, but thanks for joining us, man. Yeah. All right. So then we move on to the men's tournament, which we kind of touched on last podcast, but we're getting a little more depth here as we run through these, uh, predict these and just, you know, give our, give our takes on the tournament here. So let's get, let's start from the, Top seeds going down. Baylor versus Hartford. I looked up a little bit of Hartford. Um, and the oh, biggest... cool, because I looked up nothing from Hartford. Oh, good, good. I got it. Perfect. <laughs> you can take the next round. You can take North Carolina, Wisconsin if you want. Um, but basically, Hartford, the only thing that I guess people need to know about them is that they're uh, not a very good rebounding team. They're actually really bad at rebounding, and, but they defend the three well, but not the two. They give up like 50 plus percent inside the arc and so uh, i think Baylor's just gonna hammer that and uh you know if, if bailey doesn't have to shoot threes they don't they don't force them so they're just gonna just light up hartford on the inside and just out rebound them vital's probably gonna go for 20 rebounds and uh that'll be that right um so yeah but then they play north carolina and wisconsin um with i have wisconsin winning this game even though i think north carolina's gonna be favored uh, I just like their experience, even though they've really tailed off towards the end of the Big Ten season. I like Wisconsin's experience. They have less, well, way less turnovers than North Carolina, better shooters. Um, obviously, North Carolina has a lot of size and Caleb Love, but um, I have Wisconsin here. I, I don't think it really matters. I think Baylor uh, beats either one of these teams um, by 10-plus pretty easily. No, I, th- I think so, too. I think Baylor. I'm a little bit more worried about Baylor facing Wisconsin. Um, just cause I do think I mentioned a little bit, I think on the last episode, I think the big 10 was one of the best, probably the best conference in the nation this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Wisconsin might be underseated because of that. So I'm a little worried about Baylor getting a really potentially really good Wisconsin team. I think Ken Palm has them in the top 10. Um, yeah. And so that's the only one. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, I think, let me see. Yeah. They have them exactly 10th. Yeah. So they, they're a really good defensive team, really efficient offensive team, not spectacular. They don't shoot the two very well. They shoot the three okay. Yeah. Um, but the one thing they do that Baylor kind of, I don't want to say uh, focuses on, but one thing that Baylor's really good is forcing turnovers and Wisconsin doesn't turn the ball over. So exactly. um, that's a potentially hazardous matchup. I still favor Baylor, but um, that one makes, if Wisconsin wins, that's a little bit more shaky. But yeah, yeah. Baylor's, or Wisconsin is, played 12 games against top 25 teams this year, as you'd expect in the big 10. Uh, they are three and nine in those games, but you know, playing them gets you experience regardless. Yep. Uh, onto the number two seeded Houston plays Cleveland state um, real quickly on Cleveland state. Fun fact, Cleveland state is number one in Kim Palm's luck rating. I've looked, Man, I've, looked, sure. <laughs> I've looked up Kim Palm's luck rating definition, probably 
at least once a year over the past four years because I always right. know what it is. Basically, all it is is Ken Palm has that that uh, that rating that they give every team, and then mm-hmm. it, they go compare that to their record, and they say, oh, well, your record's not supposed to be this good, so you must have been lucky. So that's basically okay. how they determine that. So it's like their their output versus their like actual projections exactly. and like how exactly. they actually play. Interesting. Exactly. Okay. Um, the only the, another concerning thing about Cleveland is they're just not good on the defensive glass, which Houston is going to absolutely <laughs> uh, decimate them in that regard. That's gonna be bad. <laughs> so even if Houston doesn't shoot the ball well, they're just gonna throw the ball up at the rim, grab the ball, and then put it back in the rim. So. Um, that is a concerning uh, one for Cleveland State, but Houston should skate by. Then they play Clemson or Rutgers. Um, I actually have Rutgers winning this. I don't know about you. Uh, I think mm. uh, Rutgers has experience in the Big Ten, like you said before, and I think they have the best player on the court in Ron Harper. So that's yeah. pretty much my uh, basis for that. Uh, what about you? That's a good one. No, that, that's that's a good point. I have Clemson, but – Man, Rutgers, I think Rutgers is actually rated higher in Kempom. Um, I just do like Clemson's defense in this game. I do like their ability to uh, force turn and forced they're like they force turnovers, but they don't like force steals necessarily. They they get teams uncomfortable and where teams, you know, have unforced errors, right? Where they're throwing the ball out of bounds or making the weird pass, they're making awkward movements like here and there. I think that's where they're gonna benefit. And so I like Clemson in this, but I would not be shocked if Rutgers uh wins because again, a- any of these big 10 seedings are going to be weird because they're all going to be roughly top 35 teams but Rutgers is a 10 seed right so they have more losses it's gonna be than other teams so it's like right right that's why they might drop a little bit uh yeah yeah I don't know who I'd rather have Houston play here uh a better defense I think Clemson or... I think Clemson okay okay yeah, yeah just because to I mean like I, I would you know Rutgers I feel like Rutgers is that team that you know because they're under they're that team who could catch some teams quote-unquote off guard like like, you know i think they could potentially beat upset houston or potentially upset uh west virginia um if they get them on the good night um in the in the sweet 16 so um i think i would rather get clemson and clemson pull that one out if i'm houston all right then we go to the number three seeded texas versus the number 14 abilene christian we went over we touched on it last week i thought you brought up a great point in how you kind of approached it this game with uh texas it kind of being a uh, landmark game, I guess, for Texas in a sense. And mm-hmm. it also tells us a lot about Abilene Christian as well. Because if Abilene Christian keeps it close, I think it says a lot more about Abilene Christian than it does Texas. But if Texas blows them out, then I think it sure. just says, all right, Texas is is ready to go, is ready to play pretty much. Um, correct me if, yeah. if that wasn't exactly how it, how it was said last podcast, as you said it. Eloqu- so no, no, no that, but... that's basically... <laughs> no, that's basically right. I think that the thing I'm going to watch out for is and this is why i think texas it might be a texas blowout just because of what ac is going to try to do on offense they're going to try to get the ball to colton cole right that's what they want to do on the inside they're going to want to throw him to him deep in the post uh they're kind of masters of that like over the top ball when the defender tries to front him because he's such a tall guy i think he's like seven one or whatever Mm -hmm. um but the problem is all of Texas's athleticism is inside, right? Kai Jones, Jericho Sims, Greg Brown, right? They're all lengthy. They can all stop that over the top pass. I don't think Colton Cole is going to be able to score that easily, which means the guard play is going to be able to going to probably be where ECU is going to have to make a difference. And I think the guard play 
you know, that's also where Texas is experienced. Uh, this is not yeah. where they're most athletic, but it's where they're most experienced. So I think I do, again, we, we both love ACU, but I think this is where Texas, I think the specific matchups and what ACU wants to do is why it's going to be a Texas 10 to 15 point win. Um, because just because ACU is going to want to run everything through Colton Cole in the post, but Texas is all their length and athleticism and defense is down low. And I think they're not going to let them have a, a, a easy time. Even Joe Pleasant, right? Joe Pleasant's on the inside and, you know, he's not going to be able to get up easy shots either. Yep. And then in the second round, Texas would potentially play BYU. Um, I have BYU beating Michigan State or UCLA. Come, come yeah. to that. I, I think I'm higher on BYU than a lot of people. Uh, maybe that's just because I've seen both the times they played Gonzaga. Actually, two of the three times they played Gonzaga, uh, which are three of their losses. I was yeah. very impressed with how BYU played them, including the conference championship game against Gonzaga. And I think BYU could pose – an even bigger problem than an Alabama in a lot of, in a lot of ways, just because you have harms, you have experienced guards, you have a lot of really disciplined players who at least in the games I saw against Gonzaga looked like they were comfortable and they didn't look sure. like they were scared of playing Jalen Suggs or Corey Kispert or anybody. So um, that's going to, that's one I'm actually really scared of for Texas. I think yeah, they can pull I, it out, but I'm scared. I know. I think so too. I think, I hate to say it. I think I've taken BYU in that potential matchup um, because they just match up really well. They're really, they're a really good shooting team. They really rebound really well. They, they avoid, they, they know how to avoid blocks. They know how to avoid uh, uh, the inside defense that Texas is going to want to force them into. Um, Texas really struggles at forcing turnovers and BYU doesn't turn the ball over. Um, so I think that's going to be something that uh, BYU being a very efficient team as it is with the ball, if Texas isn't getting them out of rhythm, I think that's going to really, uh, force them to struggle. Yeah, this, it, man, it's a really, really tough matchup because the other thing Texas struggles with a little bit is defending the three point line. They're okay at it, but they're not one of the better teams and BYU is a really good three point shooting team. I think they shoot 37%. Yeah. So um yeah um and they shoot over 50 almost 55 percent from two like very good man this yeah this is a really really talented team so i'm i'm worried about this matchup i actually have byu over texas in this potential matchup just because i think it's a the more i looked into it um yeah i'm more uh i'm, I'm more for, uh, afraid for texas yeah and byu is obviously not scared of athleticism uh just again based off the gonzaga results and they've had other good results this year but i mean and then uh, ESPN has those game protector ratings with the four decision trees, T comparison, power ratings, all those. And it's two to two pretty much with BYU. So it's a lot of people have this game as more of a coin flip. Um, and even if, sure. and I don't want to get too far ahead because we'll cover sweet 16 matchups later whenever they do happen. But if they do get by BYU, then mm-hmm. they have Alabama and that's another three point shooting team, which you kind of mentioned. So I, I, I think it's going to be tough. The, the early rounds scare me a lot for Texas. Um, but if they can get through BYU and Abilene Christian, then maybe they'll have a little bit of momentum going forward, and that'll be interesting there. Next, we have Texas Tech against Utah State, the 6 versus 11. And that is in the – oh, no, it's on the opposite side here. I almost said this on the Texas side. I have my brackets mixed up. But <laughs> we have 
a Utah State team that has some size, that rebounds really well. I don't know how concerned I am for Texas Tech, but the threat is there. The threat is definitely there. I just think I their, their defense is going to settle in and play well enough to where I think they can pull out the first round win. Yeah, this one's going to be really low scoring. Utah State's uh, eighth in adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, of course, Texas Tech, we already know they're 24th. Obviously, one of the most consistent defensive teams under Chris Beard. The difference here is going to be if Mac McClung can get going from deep, not just scoring because uh, Utah State, in particular, they thrive on two-point percentage defense. They don't let a lot of layups. They don't let a lot of uh, uh, uncontested mid-range. They struggle a little bit from three, but they really zone off the inside from you. The difference is going to be if Mac McClung and Tech can get going from outside, but also if they can keep Utah State off the offensive glass. They are really, really good at offensive rebounds. They are 16th in the nation offensive rebounding percentage. And Texas Tech is 254th in preventing offensive rebounds. <laughs> so that's going to be second chance points, those uh, those effort points. That, that's going to be where Utah State potentially thrives with Justin Beans, uh, with, uh, I think I'm saying this right, Nemias Cueta, who both have over 80 offensive rebounds apiece. Um, I think they're averaging nearly a double-double for the season on, rebound, on the rebounding boards, even um, – Somebody like a guard, Marco Anthony is averaging about, uh, I believe, I'm trying to think. He has 40 offensive rebounds on the season. So even from the perimeter, their offensive guard, their guards are getting in and they're rebounding really well from the offensive glass. So preventing those second chance points, that's going to be the big thing for Texas Tech. Because if that doesn't happen, you know, Utah State's not a bad team. Like I've seen some people pick this as a very interesting upset, upset pick or upset watch because we've seen Texas Tech not look like the Texas Tech that we've uh, expected. They've had lulls. So if they don't guard the offensive glass, if they aren't hitting from three, Utah State's going to make this an ugly game. And unlike usual where Tech loves to play those kind of ugly, you know, scrapping the 60, scrapping the 50 type games, Utah State's going to be right there with them thriving in those kind of elements. Yeah, you don't want to be in that in the first in the first round, especially in a game. Ooh, no, no, no. I mean, that's where you really can get caught off guard in your first game of the tournament, where you're maybe not shooting well, and you maybe have a little. Especially after the, yeah, especially after the early exit in the tournament too. Oh, the Big Twelve tournament, you know. So they might just you don't want to continue that lull. Exactly. You bring up three point shooting. I think it's really interesting because Mac McClung. He's he can't he's a good shooter. He can be streaky at times. Yeah um mm-hmm. he's he shot 33 percent in the conference season um and you know he had those games where he was really good and then games where he didn't play as much or shoot as well uh terrence shannon 35 mm-hmm. percent from three kyler edwards is their best three-point shooter at 45 percent from three. yeah kyler edwards is going to be the big one in this game and i think between those three you're gonna need i don't even know what numbers you're gonna need probably what seven threes from them from that trio uh, probably. I mean, I, th- that, I, I think Kyler, like I think Kyler Edwards is going to need to be Tech's. Yeah. But you have games. I where think Kyler, Kyler Edwards is going to be there. going to need to be their second best three. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, man, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm interested in the rebounding battle as well, because while Marcus Santos Silva is a really good big, he's only six, seven. Um, you know, they, they have quality players, but it's, 
you know, they're, they're not this overly daunting defensive rebounding team, defensive force that they are. They're just a really tight knit group. And I think they're going to be able to get it done in the first round. Um, but then if we look at the second round here, that's where it gets really interesting. And I love Arkansas and I am picking Arkansas and maybe it's just because I watched them early in the season on a, f- a few games, especially when they beat North Texas. Um, they basically, every game I watch it said, they basically say to me, it doesn't matter how good your defense is because we have these dudes that are like either NBA prospects or just really, really solid players. And we're going to score the ball no matter what. And that's just what, that's just what they do. I mean, they average 82 points a game and they give up 71 and their offense is just all inspiring to me. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's man. They're one of the, they're one of the most fun teams to watch. I'm really nervous for that potential second round matchup. I will say Arkansas is also a potential upset pick because mainly because um, Colgate also likes to run. Yes. Right. You get basically two of the uh, high tempo teams in the nation going at each other. And when you get in that type of track meet, you know, anything can kind of go with the hot hand. Right. I think yeah. I'm looking at tempo right now, Arkansas 17th in adjusted tempo and Colgate's 25th. So like yeah. they're both kind of thriving in that element, which makes, which again, kind of goes to your point though, which makes that second round matchup with tech kind of either, or for like, if it with, even if it's Colgate, right. Colgate, if Colgate gets tech going up and down the floor, okay. That's another potential issue for tech, but definitely Arkansas, you know, they're going to want to get out and run. They're going to want to stretch tech. And if tech gets down 10, 15, you know, can they really put the clamps on the game and not only going to run themselves, but really contain Arkansas to be able to um, be able to hold them. Uh, I think, Ken Palm, getting back to Utah State really quick, Ken Palm only has Tech as a three-point favorite in that game, 66-63 over Utah State. So I probably – I have Arkansas over Tech um, in that second-round matchup as well because I just think, yeah, the first two matchups – it's not that I don't think Tech is bad, right? I think we both appreciate what Chris Beard's done. I think we think they're a really good team, but it's just a clash of matchups, man. It's just not a good matchup for for them. Yeah. I want to take some solace out of Arkansas State losing Arkansas. I'm sorry, Arkansas losing to Oklahoma State by four mm. early in the season, but mm. it's because our Oklahoma State is a defensive team, you know, that's sure, a young sure. team and stuff that is kind of similar ish to Texas Tech, but you know, Texas Tech doesn't have Kate Cunningham on the court, and right. that's where they're going to need Kyler Edwards. It's where they need Mac McClung to really be not just be good, be great in that mm. game, in that yeah. potential game. He's had a few games where he's been great, but yeah, it's, you know, we'd like to say, I think uh, I mentioned, you know, we mentioned McClung, but I, I did mention it earlier. I think the bigger player is going to be Kyler Edwards. I think Kyler Edwards needs to consistently be that second best player for tech if they want to go on a run. Yeah. All right. To the 13th seed, North Texas versus Purdue. Uh, we talked about this briefly last time. I was like, I need to do my research because that's kind of, what I need to do in this matchup anyways, because that's why I'm going <laughs> to Indianapolis. Right. So I spent the last two days watching Purdue film, Purdue, getting Purdue stats, getting all yeah. just everything basically done. Uh, but I want you to start first, because you touched on it last time. Uh, so, I, But I want you maybe to repeat yourself why you think Purdue yeah. is a bad matchup here for North Texas. Yeah, so I think North Texas, what they did against Western Kentucky so well is they're able to cut off the inside and they're able to make you win with your guard play. And they're confident that they can win with their guard play. And so I think the problem with that for Purdue is that, one, they're in, their bigs are talented. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I feel like Zach Eady off the bench is going to be able to feast a lot in this game. Um, that size, his size is just ridiculous uh, as, as enough as it is. But even as a freshman, North Texas should be able to do some things with him to potentially neutralize him, not, you know, silence him on the boards completely, but maybe take away some lob passes, make, maybe take away some entry passes. The only problem with that, then it becomes a guard matchup with, I think, Purdue's guards are also pretty good. And mm-hmm. so I think that they have that inside-outside game that, you know, potentially makes this a big issue. Um, Travion Williams is another guy they're going to want to go inside to. Um, but again, I think that what North Texas is going to want to do is they're, they're going to want to make this a Javion Hamlet show, right? They're going to want to make their guards beat your, uh, our guard, their guards beat our guards. And I think Purdue is kind of okay with that. So I'm curious what you saw in film in your, in your uh, kind of extensive research. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I did. I guess I'll start with Travion Williams. Uh, Coach McCaslin called him, a, said he was a top 10 player in the country and then used Ken Palm to back it up. Ken Palm has him as the number seven player in the country. Um, <laughs> I don't see that. I don't see a top 10 player in the country, mostly because I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of great players in the country. Like, sure, oh, sure. Crap. Like there's a lot of great players in this country. Uh, and he was first team all conference uh, by the coaches, second team by the media. Um, I think he's very good. And I, I mean, no, no, duh. he's very good. But <laughs> my question is he likes taking tough shots sometimes. And like he'll mm. really try to be Hakeem Olajuwon at times and give him the little uh, dream shake, or he'll you know go with yeah, his right yeah. hand reverse layup. He he's comfortable making tough passes. Uh, he's a really good player, but I'm don't know because they've won games where he's played poorly too. So I don't know if they need him to play well, right? Mm. So but I so I think sure. that they can. I don't want to say they can neutralize him. But they can hold him to let's say 10, 12, right? He averages sixteen on the year. Mm-hmm. They can hold him to 10 12. Then, like you said, it turns into a guard matchup. One guy who will does scare me, just scares the, the life out of me, is Zach Eady, 7 4 off the bench. I will say, Zachary Simmons, starting center for North Texas, is going to play 30 minutes regardless. Like he's going to play, they're all their starters mm-hmm. are going to play a lot. <laughs> so, um, I was about to say, Simmons is going to, Simmons is going to have his hardest matchup of the year. He's going to be like, McCaslin's going to have to like really monitor when yeah. he goes out because they need him for Williams and Eady. Yeah. So the bit, so he kind of, Edie scares me a little bit. Williams, not as much, even though I should probably be reversed on that, but whatever. Um, <laughs> the other thing is I, I agree with your guard point in that Purdue has really good guards. The, the thing for me is they have really distributed scoring amongst the guards. They have four guards mm-hmm. that basically, you know, average eight between eight and 10 points. And so it's, it's a question of me of, can one of those guys really beat North Texas consistently? And I think Jaden Ivey for mm-hmm. them, the star freshman guard is very much capable of doing so. Um, yeah. And that would be the key for Purdue. I think it's Jaden Ivey gets going. And if JD, Jaden Ivey gets the free throw line, hits threes, he's a 21% three point shooter on in conference play, but he's at like 32% of the past few games. Um, mm-hmm. He's the one that really scares me here. Um, I'll also say North Texas has played against West Virginia, played against Loyola Chicago, played against Mississippi State, played against Arkansas. And all of those teams are big or at least really, really good on defense. And so mm-hmm. um, McCaslin kind of alluded to that, but he also said, you know, against those teams, we also scored like 50 points. So, you know, we're, we're not going to come out here and light up Purdue now. So he's right. right and so right. 
I'm I'm interested. There's a lot of signs. I was waiting, watching film. I was waiting for that one stretch of play where Purdue just blew me away. And they're mm-hmm. not that team. They're that team that is sure. meticulously always there, really solid. Like I said, have all these players between seven and ten points where they're just gonna nobody over two and a half assists per game. Like mm-hmm. they're really just distributed um, attack on both ends of the court. So. Um, I'm nervous, I guess, for North Texas, but I really, I'm not as scared as I thought I was going to be. I thought mm-hmm. they were going to be this team that was just going to overwhelm North Texas, like West Virginia did in the second sure. half, like uh, Arkansas really did. Uh, I would be scared to death of Arkansas um, mm-hmm. in this tournament, but they're not. They're a team that is really, really good and that is going to give North Texas a lot of problems. But I, I mean, McCaslin said in his in his interview, he said, you know, I wouldn't have picked this game if I had the choice, and I was like. Yeah, but who else are you going to pick here? That's a that's a that's a better matchup. Here. I mean, you don't really have a lot of good choices, right? Um, right. I think you're going to have to play really, really well, shoot really, really well because they are a better three point shooting team than Purdue. That is the key. They're going to have to hit like eight threes at least. Yeah. So we'll right. see. I think uh, Ken Palm Ken Palm actually leans in your favor a bit. They're uh, Purdue's only a seven, six or seven point favorite. I believe the projected score is if I can stall right now, sixty six fifty nine. So mm-hmm. it is a low scoring game, but it's a defensive game as we expect. The thing that I'm going to be looking out for besides three-point shooting, the thing that North Texas does really well that Purdue doesn't really is uh, North Texas forces a lot of turnovers and Purdue turns the ball over a lot. Yes, They're ranked near the bottom of the Big Ten in turnovers. I think they averaged 18 in conference. North Texas forced 20, yeah. right? Uh, or per- at least uh, percentage-wise. Yeah. Um, they had a 20% turnover rating, which was fourth in the conference. I believe Texas te- or North Texas ranks in the top 50 roughly in the nation. Purdue's roughly in the, around the 160 range, so uh, as far as uh, not turning the ball over. So I think that's going to be a big matchup. Um, North Texas, of course, turns the ball over a lot on offense, but Purdue doesn't force a lot of turnovers on defense, so that might just neutralize itself to where that doesn't come back to bite North Texas. Um I would not be shocked if North Texas pulls this out. I have Purdue, but this is one of those where I think it is a bad, it's a bad player matchup in terms of like you mentioned, Edie Williams, like, you know, just size advantage as far as like Purdue goes. But when you dig into the numbers, when you dig into what these teams are going to try to do, it's not the worst matchup. The more I dug into the numbers, looking into this matchup, I'm not as afraid for North Texas as I was. I think that this is, gonna be a game where one we're gonna see the depth of the big 10 play out right Purdue's one of the best teams in the nation but they played in the big 10 so they probably didn't get the seating that they maybe were more deserving i think ken pum has this top 15 team in the yeah, nation I think 12 somewhere. um right yeah and so i think maybe again they're like the rest of the big 10 maybe a little underseated but i think that what north texas is good at you know plays into uh Purdue's weaknesses a bit too so I would I'm taking Purdue but this is a game that if if North Texas gets hot from three like you mentioned they hit that seven eight nine range from three things could be interesting things could really be interesting I agree and in the 16 matchup here, Texas Southern and Mount St. Mary's, um, I did a little bit of research on this here. Um, and the reason mm-hmm. I think Texas Southern, I actually think, I think I saw Mount St. Mary's was favored here. I don't know, but uh, mm-hmm. Texas Southern, I think, wins this game by 10 plus. And I think that is because Mount St. Mary's it turns the ball over a lot. And 
Mm-hmm. Mount St. Mary's does not defend the two very well, as well as they defend the three. And Texas Southern's going to be like, all right, that's fine. We're just going to go right at you into the paint, just like we did against Prairie View. And I could see this being that type of game here. Um, I don't have Ken Palm up. Do you know what Mount St. Mary's is in pace? Let me see. Uh, let me see. I have, sorry, I was looking at the matchup, which the matchup, the matchup's a one point matchup. So mm-hmm. yeah. Ken Palm likes this. Okay. Well, at least more. Mount St. Mary's um, but, is one of the slowest teams in the country. So that's maybe good news for them. Cause um, yeah, <laughs> this is going to be, uh, if they played faster. I'd be really concerned, but they play slow and yeah. turn the ball over, which is, you know, also a concern, but uh, I think Texas right. Southern. So maybe not by 10, if they're playing that slow, but that's gonna, I sure. think Texas Southern wins the game pretty convincingly here just because of they they're on a roll johnny jones as a coach they're comfortable in the paint and they can turn you over so i got mm-hmm. texas southern i got texas southern too i think this is good this is definitely gonna be a strength on a strength on strength game because mount st mary's is a pretty good defensive team mm-hmm. um of course texas southern wants to get out a little bit more I believe they're top 40 ish in pace mm-hmm. um so yeah it's definitely gonna be can can Texas Southern stretch this game a bit? Because if if this gets if this gets to the half court, like that's you know that's Mount St. Mary's game all day long. Um, but then again, you know Southern isn't a bad defensive team either, right? They're pretty good. They're top thirty ish in defense. So I think this is going to be that's what's going to be really interesting to me is going to see what kind of gives out. Does Mount St. Mary slow this game down enough to where they can really feast and really squeeze the life out of this Texas Southern team? Or does Texas Southern get this game open and running? And can they get on the offensive glass, which is one of the other things I really get at. Yep. All right. I think that covers um, all of the teams in the first round. Again, we'll have a podcast up on Monday. Uh, do you want to go through some breakout candidates or some players? I guess we can say some players you're going to keep your eye on here from the Texas teams um sure maybe some guys that are a little i don't want to say underrated but maybe some guys who could break sure. out a little bit yeah yeah i mentioned kyler edwards um i really think kyler edwards needs to have a big tournament uh because we know mac mcclung is going to try to fill it up he's a volume shooter he's the guy that you know texas tech's going to look to but i think they need that second guy and that second guy to me just just need especially from outside especially against these particular teams um it needs to be kyler edwards to really emerge i hope I hope Adam Flagler really bust, breaks out for Baylor. Um, we've seen that firecracker, that microwave uh, mentality he has to come off the bench. I hope he's consistent because that was the reason why they lost in the tournament is that their bench kind of failed them where their bench was has been really good throughout the season. I kind of hope Adam Flagler is that guy. And he's kind of, he has that excitement factor, right? He's that really, he really turns it on. Um Texas, I mean, there's really no candidate. I mean, there's the guys you expect, right? It's the Kai Joneses, it's yeah. the Greg Browns, it's the guys that you kind of, uh, the Andrew Joneses, like it's the guys that you would expect to be um, uh, the name brand. Um, I guess I guess Brock Cunningham, right? Every, every Texas yeah. fan knows Brock Cunningham because, you know, he's that defensive effort guy. Um, he's probably the guy that's going to be on a lot of people's minds when it comes to nationwide if they do make a run because of his con- contributions on that end. Um, he's probably the one that I'd look for for Texas. I'm going to go with Marcus Sasser from Houston. Okay. I yeah, really think one. there's a chance he could – I mean, first of all, I love the way he plays just from a yeah. perspective of just shooting the lights out when it doesn't matter. Um, I think there's a chance that he could rip off a few games in a row where he hits four, five threes. Like there's 
he is that mm. good of a shooter and that he's takes that many shots, you know, you have to shoot enough to, to make the shots. And so he, he is right. um, an elite shooter and I'm, I love watching him play. Dejan Giroux also from Houston. I, I really love Houston. Yes. I have Houston one of the final four. I do. Uh, upsetting Illinois. I, I, I do. I do too. Yeah. So, so that, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I am a Houston colorblind right now. So if that's even right. the right way to say that, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I got, I have Houston Baylor final four, Texas Gonzaga final four. And I have LSU I have... Michigan. So <laughs> Texas doesn't have to beat Michigan. So there you go. All they have to do is beat the, the three tough games that we talked about of them struggling with Abilene Christian, BYU, Alabama, then LSU. And then we get a Gonzaga Baylor uh, championship in my bracket. And um, I had a coin flip pretty much, even though I really, really, really <laughs> like Gonzaga. Like I really mm-hmm. love Gonzaga. Jalen Suggs yeah. might be my favorite player in the country. Um, but I went with Baylor. I went with Baylor. Really? Okay. So there we go. Okay. Nice. Okay. You're taking Baylor. Uh, my final four, I had Gonzaga, Michigan, Baylor, Houston. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think Michigan, that, 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 it's going to be really interesting because Michigan has a really interesting bracket because they have a, you, you mentioned LSU. Uh, they have a hot Georgetown team coming in potentially uh, as a 12. Yeah. As a 12, which I think I have them uh, making the elite or uh, the 16. Um, then they have Alabama, which we talk about tempo, like, geez, Alabama is one of the fast, fast paced teams in the nation and they have to get through all of them um, or, a, you know, potentially a hot Texas team, potentially a BYU team. You know, Michigan has a really interesting crazy. path. It's really, really, really hard. Um, Houston as well. Another tough region, uh, potentially West Virginia. We don't know what to think from them. Illinois, I think there's Illinois size is ridiculous. Tennessee, I, I have Tennessee beating Illinois, but Illinois could very much come out of that region as well. But I do have Houston. I think Baylor has the most favorable um, just because they have the, I think they have the better side of that bracket. It's still tough, but I think they have the better side. Yeah. Um, and then Gonzaga, I, I think Gonzaga has a skip. I think Gonzaga has a skip to the Final Four. I don't Especially see Kansas, any of these. Especially Kansas, the Kansas uh, situation where they don't have – well, they're going to have McCormick and Wilson, but they're not with the yeah. team right now. And so they're right. going to get – they're supposed to be there before the first game. But it's just a weird, another weird situation for Kansas after missing the Big 12 tournament. That scares me. Uh, hopefully, you know, Kansas yep. can get there. there. So yeah, I have Gonzaga and Baylor. I have Gonzaga and Baylor in the national championship. I actually, I'm taking Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those years where I'm mad we didn't get this matchup last year yes. because I think Baylor was obviously better last year. I think Gonzaga is just that much better than everybody in the nation. I think that this is the year that we kind of get there. I have, I have, I have it a 12 point game. You know, ESPN asks Ooh. you to make a tiebreaker score. I have a, I have a double digit game. I think, Gonzaga has size. I think they have shooting. I think they have guards. I think you mentioned Suggs is just insane. Drew Tim, Texas native. I think he's insane. I think he's a nightmare for Baylor. Um, I don't think Baylor really has anybody to match up in that type in that game against Drew Tim. Yeah, I, I love Baylor and I would love for them to play in the national title game. I just think this is a this is a year where just there's one team better than everybody, and I think it's Gonzaga. So we're not going to have the first champion, champion Texas champion since '66, man. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be another uh, drought for the men on that. Maybe, side maybe we can still use that podcast name somewhere. 
Yeah, I know. They are. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, it was uh, that was one of the um, one of the podcast names you threw around was what since sixty six, right, since or something 66. like that. I was kind of glad you didn't pick that one because that one's gonna be hard to say consistently. Yeah, since I know <laughs> it didn't roll off the tongue. So. Well, like it it ex- one it excluded the women's, and then it also didn't roll off the tongue. Well, yes. since sixty six would have been really hard. So, yes. um, I like the thought, and so I thought about. it. I was like, oh, that's a, that's pretty interesting, but. Um, but yeah, so I think we're still going to be, the men are still going to be holding on. Uh, we'll see next year. I don't know. It's going to be uh, a lot of teams are reloading. I think Houston. Yeah, we, we have plenty, we have plenty of off-season podcasts to get to-ish, all right? We, we, don't, need to, we don't need to get there yet, all right? We're, we're good. You want to talk about 2022, man? Hey, come on now. All right. All right. Again, you could check out our podcast on Apple at um, Texas 24 Podcast. Uh, Dave Campbell's t- at uh, TexasBasketball.com. Uh, on Twitter at DCT Basketball, follow Ish at Ishmael R. Johnson, and follow me at Matthew Bruni underscore. And again, uh, thank you, uh, Justin, for joining us and getting us the women's bracket and uh, giving us his analysis on all that. The Madness starts on Thursday. Texas Southern, I believe, is the first game of the entire tournament. I believe they play mm-hmm. in the afternoon sometime, so we'll be checking that one out. Um, actually, I'll be on the road to Indianapolis, but I'll have it up on my phone. Uh, kind of like, you know, we always used to do in school, you know, it, uh, it was always yeah. sneaking the phone in there uh, to try to watch it. And so have it on, have it on the desk, kind of like yeah, right there. Exactly. In front of you. <laughs> it was really cool. My high school had it uh, in the lunch rooms. We had like the TVs where they had uh, announcements and stuff and they actually showed Not some TVs in the players. lunch rooms. Hey, what? San Antonio 6A, man. That's what we do. <laughs> We, we have TVs we, in the lunchroom. What we is weren't that? Ray, we weren't Reagan or Johnson or Churchill, <laughs> but they gave us TVs in the lunchroom. So, oh, yo, that's dope. Shout out to ISD. All right. Well, that's all we have for y'all today. Uh, we'll have another podcast up on Monday, I believe, um, but we will update y'all at that time. So thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to y'all later.